Happy New Year's Purpose Church. It's going to be a great year. And who knows, maybe this will be the year that Jesus comes back. Wouldn't that be great? In 2023, we're going to cover the 66 books of the Bible in 52 weeks. They say, now Glenn, how are you going to do that? Well, we're usually going to cover one book per week. But occasionally we're going to combine books like First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, uh, or combine books that we've gone through recently, like Judges and and Ruth. And we're going to have a Bible reading plan that will have us read parts of the book that we covered on Sunday during the following week. So we'll preach on it on Sunday, and then the Bible reading for that book will be the following week. Now, the title of our series is Jesus on Every Page. And we're going to see how Jesus is in every book of the Bible and how he is the lead of humanity's story. There are four parts to the Bible story. Uh, Part one is creation. Part two is the fall, where we sin and mess up creation and our relationship with God and and this perfect environment that he created uh, for us. And then comes redemption, uh, God's plan to get us back to the Garden of Eden, get, get us back once again. And then comes the culmination, where God gets us back to the Garden of Eden again with a new heaven and a new earth. Now, the title for the first five Sundays of this series is Where It All Began. And it's based on the five books of Moses, because Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Now, critics of the Bible said for years that Moses couldn't have written these books because writing hadn't been invented yet. And so throughout the 1800s, this was a common criticism of Moses couldn't have written it because written it writing hadn't been invited, invented yet. Uh, but then the Amarna tablets were discovered by archaeologists in 1887 with writing from 1420 to 1380 B.C., which was the time uh, of of Moses. We now know that writing was invented around 3,400 B.C. in the area of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. So it had been around for 2,000 years before Moses. So yes, Moses had writing available to him to write those first five books. Uh, These five books are also called uh, the Pentateuch, which simply means the five books, Pentateuch, five books in Greek, and the Jewish people refer to it as the Torah. Uh, These five books are sometimes called uh, the law. Now, um, Gordon uh, Fee and Douglas Stewart, uh, two of my professors in in seminary, and uh, Gordon Fee, considered one of the greatest New Testament scholars that ever lived, funny story. Uh, we had intramural uh, seminary basketball leagues in our gym there on the seminary campus. He was a very, very, shall we say, aggressive player, okay? And then there's Doug Stewart, Douglas Stewart, who was who one of the most brilliant Old Testament scholars ever. Um, he's still alive. He's with the Lord. He's alive. And uh, he was the kindest, sweetest man, a personal encouragement to me uh, that, that you will ever meet. Well, anyway, the two of them wrote about the major themes uh, of the book of Genesis, as you read through, or, uh, of the first five books, I'm sorry, the five books of Moses, as you read through the books in this section of the Bible, you will find various threads that hold the larger narrative together. God's covenants, that is, uh, agreements between us and God, uh, covenants with his people, God's faithfulness to them, despite their repeated unfaithfulness to him. 
God's choice of the lesser and the unfavored. Remember that word lesser. That's going to that's gonna mean something towards the end of the message. God's choice of the lesser and the unfavored ones. His choosing the weak to shame the strong, as in 1 Corinthians 1, 27. Uh, God's redeeming his people from slavery to make them his own. God's dwelling among them in the tabernacle as the gift of his renewed presence on earth, which we had lost in the fall when we sinned in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve, uh, our, our, our parents, spiritual, our parents, uh, ancestors sinned in the Garden of Eden. God's gift of the law in order to reshape them into his own likeness, God's provision of a sacrificial system, called the red thread of blood poured out for the life of another as his way of offering forgiveness. So those are the major themes in this first five-book section uh, that we are going through. Now here's, uh, as we go book by book through this series this year, here are three things we hope to do with each book of the Bible. And sometimes we'll do more of one and less of the other. And um, sometimes maybe we'll do 100% on just one of these. But in general, we're going to try to do these three things for each of the books of the Bible. First of all, we want to be educational. Uh, give us a greater understanding of each book so it's it's more uh, enjoyable to read, it's more effective to read it, because we understand it a bit. So the first is educational. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. The second goal that we're going to have for each book is theological. Uh, we're going to see Jesus in each of the 66 books of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 13, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then practical. We want, I, I, a real goal of this series that I, that I have is to help us appreciate that every book of the Bible has great practical everyday application to the nitty gritty of our lives. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. All Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, now today we come to Genesis. We start with Genesis, I should say. Jesus, our glorious Creator. Here's some orienting um, data for Genesis, some, some information that'll help us kind of guide us to understand this book. First of all, the content of it. It's the story of the creation of human disobedience and its tragic consequences, and of God's choosing Abraham and its offspring, the beginning of the story of redemption. And then it's historical coverage. What period of history does it cover? Well, it covers from the creation to the death of Joseph around 1600 BC. And then what are the emphases of this book? Uh, God is the creator of all that is, God's creation of human beings in his image, the nature and consequences of human disobedience, the beginning of the divine covenants, God's choice of a people through whom he will bless the nations. So let's look at Jesus in uh, the book of Genesis. Uh, number one, the real Christmas happens in Genesis. 
because Jesus is the creator. He's the one uh, that the Bible says created it all. And so the real Christmas is not uh, the Christmas season that we just went through, uh, the birth of Jesus. That's when he uh, came as a human, but he's been eternity past. Uh, he, He has been, he is eternal. And so his origin is not in Bethlehem. That's his origin as a, as a human, as a person to live amongst us, Emmanuel, God with us. But it is not his origin. That's eternity past. Uh, Jesus was the creator. It says in Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But John says in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the word, which meant Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus is our glorious creator. Uh, that's where the real Christmas takes place. Eternity past, uh, Jesus is eternal. Uh, and then the second uh, point here is the first Christmas story. Uh, the first uh, Christmas is actually in Genesis. We find uh, Christ creating the world. But then the first Christmas story is it also in the book of Genesis, Jesus the Redeemer. And the first mention of Christmas, of the coming of Christ, is in uh, Genesis 3, verse 15. This is really the first of the Christmas passages. Pastor Eric mentioned this a couple of weeks ago in his sermon, and, I, and that just jumped out at me, that really, you, when you think of the Christmas story, you think, oh, well, Luke chapter 2 or, or Matthew chapter 1, uh, that, that's the Christmas story. No, uh, Pastor Eric said the, the first Christmas passage is Genesis 3, verse 15, where right after the sin of Adam and Eve, uh, God says uh, to Satan, he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Meaning that Satan will strike the heel of Jesus, of the, of the coming Messiah. Uh, he will wound him uh, to the point of death on the cross. But when Christ rose from the grave, in the process, he crushed the head of Satan. So it's as if uh, Satan, like a snake, is latched to your heel, okay? And that's bad. But Jesus stomps down and crushes the head of the serpent, and so the strike of the serpent of Satan ends up being his destruction as Christ crushes him underneath his feet. Now, I want to spend the remainder of our time together talking about the verse that got me through the last, the past three years. There is a verse um, that has gotten me through uh, the past three years. This was my personal source of encouragement, and I want to share it with you. Uh, be prepared to be inspired, all right? Uh, you ready for it? Drum roll, Genesis 42, verse 36, everything is against me. <laughs> you say, Glenn, that is not an inspiring verse. That, that is not the kind of verse that you're going to put in a picture frame on your wall, or that's not the kind of verse you're going to get tattooed on you, or, or <laughs> that, that is not the kind you're going to write on a three-by-five card and put it on your desk. But this has been the verse 
that has meant the most to me through the last three years, including the pandemic and everything that we've uh, been going through as a nation and in, in our personal lives and, and the struggles, everything is against me. How many of you want to adopt this as your life verse? Now, before you think I'm crazy, let me tell you the story behind this verse, all right? So here's the verse, uh, all right? And we're going to tell the story, get at the context of it. Then we're going to come back to it. And I think you'll realize that I'm not so crazy after all. It's a quote by Jacob. And I'm going to tell you the story that led him to say this. And then we're going to come back uh, to it. Uh, Jacob had five bad things uh, happen to him. Three hurts and two fears of future hurt. So he was hurt. And then he was afraid of being hurt. He was hurt in the, in the past, in the present, and then for three times. And then he was afraid of two, he was fearful of two additional hurts that were going to happen to him in the future. So Jacob had five bad things happen to him, uh, one after the other. And it led him to say, everything is against me. Have you ever noticed that you can handle one hurt or one fear if they come one at a time? You know, if you have like one hurt and then there's a good period of time and then the next hurt, then a good period of time, then the next hurt, you can usually manage that. Or one fear, just one fear at a time and you deal with that fear over time and then another fear. Now here's the problem with that. Life doesn't happen that way, does it? It does not happen that way. Uh, right where you are watching uh, online, I, 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 would, would you say amen with me? Life doesn't happen that. It comes in bunches. It seems like hurts comes in bunches. Trouble comes in groups. Uh, fears come uh, in, in multiples. So Jacob has three hurts in his life, followed by two fears of future hurts that leads him to say everything is against me. Let's look at those. Hurt number one is he loses the love of his life, Rachel, his wife, as she gives birth to their son, uh, Benjamin. Uh, chapter 35, verse 18. As she, Rachel, breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni, which in Hebrew means son of my sorrow. So in despair, she's, she's dying and she gives birth to this child, and she says, he is the son of my sorrow. But his father, Jacob, named him Benjamin, which means not son of my sorrow, but son of my right hand. Uh, Jacob, terrific hurt in his life, losing the love of his life. But he is able in that moment to be able to say, I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to choose Benjamin uh, son of my right hand, over son of my sorrow. I, I can handle this one thing and turn it around and remain hopeful. And we can often handle one hard thing at a time like Jacob does here. But it's when the hard things begin to pile up that we feel overwhelmed. So he handles the first wave of trouble, but here comes the, se the second wave. Hurt number two. Uh, Jacob had a son named Joseph. And his brothers hated Joseph because they were jealous of him because his father loved him so much. So they sold Joseph into slavery and put goat blood on his coat and brought it to Jacob. We pick it up in verse 33 of chapter 37. He, Jacob, recognized it and said, it is my son, Joseph's robe. 
Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. And his, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. He survives the first wave of trouble, but the second one crushes him. And maybe the same thing has happened to you in 2022. You survived the first hurt, but the second one, you, you, you took the first punch, but then the second punch just, just nailed you. But I have a word from the Lord for you in 2023. If you feel like everything is against me uh, in 2022, let me give you a word. This might be the whole reason you chose to watch today. Um, it is your divine appointment. God led you to this moment to hear one word as you enter into 2023. And that word in Genesis 37, verse 36, is meanwhile. Meanwhile. Maybe the whole reason we're together right now is to hear, for all of us, you and me, to hear together a word from God, meanwhile. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of, of the guard. Uh, those of you that are as old as me, do you remember the old black and white westerns on TV where uh, something would be going on and then they would say, remember they'd say, meanwhile, back at the ranch. This was going on here, but meanwhile, back in the ranch, something else was going on. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, when all these hard things are happening to Jacob, meanwhile, back in heaven, God is up to something. And God is starting a chain of events that will lead to Joseph becoming the second most powerful man in all the world. Uh, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt looking for food during a famine. Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. So he tests them to see if their character has changed over time. And that leads to hurt number three for his father, Jacob. Uh, Genesis 42, verse 29 when they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. Uh, they, they said, the man who is Lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men. We, we are not spies. Um, verse 32, we were 12 brothers, sons of one father. One is no more and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who is Lord over the land, that's Joseph, who they don't recognize, but he's putting them through this test. The man who is Lord over the land said to us, this is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me, and he chose Simeon, and take food for your starving households and, and go. So Rachel dies. Hurt number one. Then he thinks Joseph dies. Hurt number two. Now, number three, Simeon is in prison in a foreign land in Egypt. His son Simeon is in prison in Egypt. And then it gets even worse. He has these actual hurts happen to him, but now comes a fear of future hurt. Uh, 
uh, heard um, number four, uh, verse 34. But bring your youngest brother, Benjamin, to me. So I will know that you are not spies, but honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you, and you can trade in the land. Uh, fear number four. Jacob is afraid that he's also going to lose Benjamin. Oh, it gets even worse. Fear number five is in verse 35. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Fear number five. All of their lives are now in danger. And after these five pieces of trouble, three hurts, two fears of additional hurts, Jacob snaps. He snaps. Now back to where we started in Genesis 42, verse 36. With all that background, with all that story, their father Jacob said to them, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin? Everything is against me. He thought everything was against him. But in reality, from God's perspective, everything was for him. He didn't know it. But his son is the second most powerful man in the world and is about to provide for all of, of, of his people. He just couldn't see it yet. He thought everything was against him. But in reality, everything was for him. He just couldn't see it yet. And the same is true for you. You may think everything's against you. Everything's actually for you. God's working everything for you in Christ if you're a follower of Jesus. You just can't, you just can't see it yet. Here's the happy ending for Jacob. Chapter 45 now, verse 25. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's ruler of all of Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel, that's another name for Jacob, said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Later on, Joseph said to his brothers in chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me. Everything's against me. But God intended it for good. Everything's actually for me to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. One final example of this. There were two disciples of Jesus, um, both called James. So one simply called James, and in, in certain places in church history, he's called James the Great. And the other disciple named James was called James the Less or the Lesser. Remember I said, remember, back at the beginning of the message, I said, remember that word lesser? Lesser. Why would he be called lesser? Um, there are many theories. One is maybe he was called later to be a disciple. So James the Greater was 
called to be a disciple earlier than James the Lesser. Uh, maybe he was younger than James the Greater. And so it simply means James the Lesser uh, just means uh, he's younger. It could have meant that he was shorter. James the Greater was taller. James the Lesser was, was, was smaller. The writer writers of the series called The Chosen, that is just taking the world by storm um, right now, they interpreted James the Less as Little James. Jesus in, in the series calls him Little James and inferred that he may have had a disability. That And the character in The Chosen has James the Less, Little James, has a disability. And this conversation between little James and Jesus is all the buzz in our nation today. (sighs) This is for anyone. This is dedicated to you. To anyone who doesn't understand why God has not answered your prayers. Anybody out there that just doesn't understand why God... Maybe it's not a group of prayers. It's just one prayer. I hope that this is an encouragement to you the way it has been an encouragement for me and for so many others. Happy New Year. Master. Little James. May I have a moment? Of course. I am... Forgive me, I'm uh, not always confident to speak. Slow to speak. It's a very good quality. (laughs) I wanted to ask you a question. Please? You're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal... to imagine with my condition which you haven't healed do you want to be healed yes of course if if that's possible I think you've seen enough to know it's possible why haven't you Because I trust you. What? Little James. Precious little James. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life. Do you understand? In the Father's will, I could heal you, right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. And that's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. 
to know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this. To know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body. To show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. How many people do you think the Father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. But the others, they're so much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy it is to say the Song of David. That I fearfully and wonderfully made but it doesn't make this any easier and in this group it doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden a burden first of all it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper trust me are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the Father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me. Or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in Heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in heaven, where Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer, your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness, and when you do great things in my name, in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. Do you understand? Yes. Thank you, Master. A man like you, healing others, Wait to hear your stories when you return. Shalom, my son. Shalom. And James. Remember. You will be healed. It's only a matter of time.